Nation, my dudes and dudettes, what is going on? Hilo here, bringing you another Exploring Extremes podcast. Back from a week's break, we took last week off. We had a bunch of COVID stuff going on that I wanted to make sure that I paid attention to uh, what was most important that week. And I felt that the most important thing last week was uh, putting a little extra effort into the edge write-ups putting a little extra effort into the game theory discussions through the end around. So I wanted to make sure to spend some extra time at the beginning of my week last week with those uh, particular things as opposed to this podcast. But we are back. Sadly, Pavel will not be joining us this week. He again just got off of a plane, immediately had to go on to a work call. So I tried to give him some more time again this week, uh, but if unfortunately he could not join us again this week. Busy, busy man trying to get uh, his life merged with his wife's life, get them moved, get all that stuff taken care of. And oh, by the way, he's still trying to pick up his car that he crushed into a deer a couple months back. So that is finally getting worked out. But we are here. We're going to discuss some of the extremes. First off, before we kind of get into some betting and DFS kind of discussion around some of the games this week, let's talk about this week as a whole. There are zero games on the entire week with every NFL team playing with a game total of 50 points or more. That is astounding. We have three games that fall in our magic range of 47.5 to 49 points. Sorry, 47 points to 49.5 points. Got it mixed up there. One of those is on the Saturday slate. So that is the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. One of which is the Sunday night football island game, Washington football team at Dallas Cowboys with a game total of 47.5. That leaves us zero games above a game total of 50 points on the main slate. That leaves us one game of a game total in the magic range of 47 to 49 and a half points. That is the Los Angeles Rams at Minnesota Vikings. Every other NFL game this week has a game total of 45 and a half points or less. That is absurd. That is particularly absurd this late in the season. There's a couple of things or a couple of reasons, I guess, why we can say that is particularly absurd. And part of it has to do with betting markets and DFS sites and the the algorithms that they are using to one for DFS sites for pricing, uh, two for betting sites where they have a bigger... um, sample size of information to be able to set lines and um, basically in their in their goal to get half of the action on each side of lines. So when we get later into the season, typically betting lines and betting spreads gets more difficult. Typically building DFS lineups gets more difficult. 
And typically what we see over, this is over the last three years or so in the NFL, typically game totals, and that's like an average game total of the week. And this could just be noise, but what I've seen is typically over the last three years, game totals have actually increased in the second half of the season when compared to the first half. The That said, typically the first three to four weeks of a season are extremely wide range of outcome weeks. That is from, you know, teams have different identities, teams have coaching changes, teams have personnel changes. There is nothing in the NFL that remains consistent year to year. Even like looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going from last year, returning all 22 starters for this year, there was still depth turnover change and all that good stuff that goes into that. So getting the same like 55 people plus head coaching plus front office plus all this stuff to remain consistent year over year is you could I'm going to use the word impossible because with the salary cap it is damn near impossible to do so that's typically why we see increased scoring higher game totals on the first couple weeks we usually typically see a lull and then it picks up in the last couple of months or season of the season typically that's what we see this year though why is it so different well NFL scoring, we have to think about defenses similar to how we think about a defense in the in DFS. We have to think about defenses and schemes as being reactive. So what happens is we see this kind of ebb and flow of offenses trying new things on offense, defenses getting burned by those new things because they haven't seen them yet, defenses reacting and formulating a game plan to counteract those new things. And then we see the offenses have to try and figure out something new. That's why we have, you know, three, four years ago, we saw the days of the ultra workhorse running backs. Then over the last two to three years, we've seen the game transition into a very or a much more pass heavy game. And now what we're seeing is defenses to counteract this now pass heavy scheme are typically playing 3-4 alignments, and they're typically playing heavy zone defensive alignments with primarily cover 2 in early downs and shifting to even cover 3 in later downs. What does that do? Well, that makes it harder to pass on. So defensive coordinators, defensive schemes are now adapting to the increased pass rates that we've seen over the last couple years, and now we're seeing kind of this lull in scoring over kind of this season overall. It's a down year for scoring after we've seen two years in a row where scoring was up. So that's kind of from Hilo's perspective, what is happening from a real world football perspective. That is why we're seeing these low game totals late in the season. And that is also why we, it's something important that we need to understand as betters and as uh, DFS players to be able to leverage that information and make the most optimal decisions over time. So why did I cover the, all that in a betting podcast? Well, one, it's pertinent in both fields, in both DFS and betting. And two is over the last six to eight weeks, discounting last week, because last week was another low game total week. Uh, but the six to eight weeks prior to that, we were seeing a lot of the same higher game total games that largely disappointed. And now the betting market is reacting to that. And we're seeing all these low game total games. 
So how do we leverage that information uh, to our advantage? Well, what I'm looking for, for both a DFS and a betting perspective, is I'm looking for the games that have the best opportunity to go to play to uh, the over of modest game totals. And I'm looking for... I'm looking for spreads where there's the opportunity to capture a lopsided affair, uh, quote unquote, as some around the site would say, on the way up. That's second one is primarily from a DFS perspective, but we can also utilize it in betting, uh, particularly with prop betting. And this is not a prop betting podcast that is taken care of uh, by Reezy, Jay Reezy, uh, towards the end of the week in the betting the edge piece that he does where he goes through the edge and he comes through and looks for the best prop bets based on the research that has already been done. So why do we want to look for these lopsided affairs? Obviously they give us the teams with the best chances of scoring four plus touchdowns for DFS. That is also extremely pertinent and uh, valid information for us to utilize in the betting world where we're looking for props and we're prop hunting again, Going back to some of the earlier lessons that we've covered uh, this season through different medium, whether it's written or on the podcast, line hunting and prop hunting is the act of combing through multiple sports books to find the most optimal lines for you based on what bet you want to play. That could be a yardage prop. That could be better juice on a touchdown prop. That could be better juice on a same line. You know, it doesn't matter, but we're always hunting for the most expected value, which could come in the form of varying lines. JM has talked about that ad nauseum. I've talked about that ad nauseum, uh, beating that horse dead, but that is an extremely important uh, process to understand and to master if we want to maintain our expected value over time. So all of that discussing stuff that we're not even normally covering on this podcast, but I wanted to kind of go through that get a better grasp on the why behind the how. That's something that my analytical brain is always trying to do. That is what I think is happening from a real world perspective. I'd love to know if you guys have seen anything through the stats, through tape, through uh, trends, anything like that. Please uh, reach out on either Discord and Twitter and we will... uh, possibility to get you on this podcast next week to talk about those things before this season is over. All right. With all that, let's talk about, I want to talk about the highest game total of the week, and that's Indy Colts and Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Sorry, that is the Los Angeles Rams at Minnesota Vikings. Uh, That first one, Indy and the cards, that checks in at number two. So we're going to talk about this Los Angeles Rams and this Minnesota Vikings game with a game total of 49 and a half. And then we're going to talk about some of these games with a lower game total that I think have the same opportunity that we were hunting for last week, where we were looking to capture hidden upside from a betting perspective that is hidden over upside from a DFS perspective that is fairly evident that that is, um, you know, point per dollar value, cost value, uh, DFS production. So we're going to explore a couple of these games here. I'm going to try and make it rather quick because that was a pretty long 10-minute introduction on an already short 30-minute podcast. Without further ado, let's jump in. Excuse me, again, taking that breathing break uh, on these solo podcasts. 
is a must. I got to listen, re-listen to JM's podcast because he's been doing a lot of solo work lately. Uh, so I want to listen to his, I'm gonna just going to listen to the podcast over just to pick up on his breathing habits. <laughs> Sounds super creepy, but here we are. All right, this Rams and Vikings game. What do we know about this game? We know that the Rams utilize uh, heavy 11 personnel. We know that Tyler Higby has been on the COVID list with the chance to return for this game. We know that the Rams are play at an extremely fast pace. We know that they are extremely pass heavy. So we can expect Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup to be on the field the most out of the wide receivers. We can expect Odell Beckham Jr. to be on the field a tick tier, whatever you want to call it, below those two. We can expect um, Sony Michelle and Darrell Henderson to largely split this backfield, which is probably going to come down to game flow and how that game is going. A big decision point uh, or a big decision point for a lot of people this past week on DFS was what to do with this Rams backfield split between Sony Michelle and Darrell Henderson. Uh, I surmised that it depended more on game flow than it did really the even the how Sony Michelle was playing or how Darrell Henderson, how they expected him to look. Uh, so it largely differed from a hot hand approach and more fell into, hey, Darrell Henderson is coming back from an extended absence. If the Rams are playing uh, with basically the game in hand, we can expect that Sony Michelle will likely carry a larger portion of the load. So all that to say, there's question marks surrounding this Rams backfield. We know that the Rams are a pass-heavy team. We know that the Vikings can basically be beaten any which way. And we know that the Vikings are capable and willing to turn up the aggression through the air should they fall behind. We also know in the same vein that the Minnesota Vikings do not typically push the issue on their own. If they are neutral to a positive game script, they are much more likely to run out the clock with their duo backfield tandem uh, of Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Madison also missed last week on the COVID list. I expect him to be back this week. Adam Thielen missed last week. I expect him to at least have a chance to return this week. His injury was highly intriguing to me because it was basically described as a a low-grade high ankle sprain, which is interesting to think about. One, I don't know what the hell that means. Two, I would think that it means like he's can play, but he runs the risk of like hurting that ankle a little bit more. You know, growing up playing soccer, playing soccer all the way through college, I know like sprained ankles, high ankle sprains can be played on, but you always run the risk because that joint is weakened when you've sprained it. You always run the risk of aggravating that injury further and risking being out at a for a longer extended period of time. So all that being said, I would expect Thielen to maybe get in some limited practices uh, later this week, Wednesday, Thursday timeframe. I would expect that he would have a chance to come back this week, but I expect him to be questionable coming into the week. So we have those unknowns. We have what we do know of this game. What we do know is the Rams are likely to control the flow, the pace, uh, and the game environment overall. Why is that important to us? Well, Minnesota Vikings have proven to be a team that relies on their opponent to dictate the game, uh, not the game flow, but the game environment. 
the Vikings can control a game flow. What that means is they are controlling the time of possession battle. They are controlling how the game ends up playing at, with respect to pace and all that. But they typically rely on their opponent to dictate game environment because their aggression is so closely tied to what the other team is doing uh, with respect to points on the scoreboard. All that being said, if we expect the Rams to control this game, if we know that the Vikings are extremely aggressive when they need to be, now let's fold in the playoff picture because we're starting to get to the point of the season where that matters a great deal. The Rams are now 10-4. and They sit tied with the Cardinals for the top spot in the NFC West. They are also a game back with four total teams uh, sitting at 10 of four, but they are a game back of the Packers for the number one seed in the NFC. And that is a big deal because that is the only buy out of the NFC this year. The Vikings, after a rather slow start or a moderate start and a rather lulled middle of the season, have played their way back into the playoff picture in the NFC. They currently sit in the seventh seed, seventh and final seed in the NFC. So they are playing for their playoff lives. Rams, again, playing for the only buy and home field advantage out of NFC. Vikings playing for their playoff lives. So we have this game where it matters greatly to both teams. We have this game environment that the Rams are likely to control. We have a Minnesota Vikings team that has shown increased aggression when they need to or when they are forced into it. We also have the potential for Alexander Madison and Adam Thielen to return for the Vikings. We have the chance for Tyler Higbee to return for the Rams. And we also have the outside chance. I guess it's greater than an outside chance uh, of other members of either of these teams popping on the COVID list and missing uh, amongst this nationwide outbreak. All of that comes together to me to like the over here at 49 and a half, and I have it about three points too low. So if I were setting this line, I would set it at 52 and a half. I'd expect as the week goes on for this game total to increase. And it could be tied either directly or indirectly into Adam Thielen and Tyler Higby and Alexander Madison and these two teams avoiding any further COVID issues. If you've stuck with me for this long, I know I've been rambling on and on, but another driving factor of, I think, why these game totals across the league are suppressed is all this COVID that has been going on, all the uncertainty affecting better trends. Uh, so better's less likely to put money on the over. What does Vegas want? They want equal money on the under and the over. So that is requiring opening lines to be set rather low, comparative to you know, historic trends over the past few years. And it is or it is driving extreme line movements. We've seen a lot of games move over two and a half, three points in game total uh, towards the tail end of weeks. And we've seen it happen fairly quickly. We've also seen lines jump two or three points at the beginning of weeks, right after the lines are released. Again, that is... Uncertainty created through this pandemic influencing better trends and what Vegas has to do to counteract those trends. All right. So that is the game of the week from a game environment perspective. Uh, we should be 
picking through this rather heavily. Expect the write-up from me later this week for DFS purposes. And I like the over uh, from the highest game total of the week. Again, exploring these extremes. We can almost call every other game on the week uh, an extreme from a low perspective. We've got everything you know, from the moderate game totals, 44, 45 and a half, all the way down to extremely low game totals, 40 and a half. The Monday night football game, I don't know if you guys have checked that out yet. Miami Dolphins at New York Orleans Saints. The over under on that bad boy is currently 38.5, the lowest of the season. So this is quite the low scoring or expected to be low scoring week. Vast majority of the games residing in that 42 to 44 and a half game total range. Even the Browns at the Packers on Saturday sitting at a game total of only 44 and a half points. So a lot going on here, a lot to kind of dissect. But I want to focus on a game that I think has the greatest chance of these lower scoring games to play to the over. And I want to explore that from the lens of both a betting perspective and a DFS perspective. And that is the Detroit Lions at the Atlanta Falcons. This game is the first on the early slate of Sunday. It currently has a game total of a modest 42.0 points with the Atlanta Falcons favored by six points. Complicating matters from this game for us is Jared Goff from the Lions popped Uh, I believe on Monday, might have been Tuesday, I can't remember, but he popped on the COVID list and he is obviously questionable. Reports are that he's vaccinated, so that gives him the chance to return for this game. We also have from the lines, again, a lot of moving pieces. Jamal Williams will be back for this game. He just got activated off the COVID list. We have DeAndre Swift, who reportedly... And I'm recording this Wednesday morning, so I do not have the exact news from the practice report yet, but he's reportedly going to return to the practice field in an attempt to test his shoulder uh, for a chance to return this week as well. What do we have on the other side? We have an Atlanta Falcons offense who has largely, largely struggled. We have a Detroit Lions offense who has largely struggled. These Both of these teams have scored below 19 points per game on the season. And I actually wrote this game up in the plus EV uh, early line inefficiencies as a possibility to the under. I dug into this a little bit further and realized that this is probably one of the likelier games to play to its over. Again, well, Atlanta Falcons, what do we have? Offense who is largely un- uh, underperformed. We have a defense who has looked capable against uh, worse opponents, uh, but has really, really struggled against good opponents. So again, wide range of outcomes there. We have Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts, who are have been one of the, or I guess, two of the most dynamic players at their individual respective positions. Cordero Patterson has, we've talked to, kind of alluded to, and, and X has talked to this as well, but he has kind of seen his role morph and change as The Falcons have fought through all of these off-the-field issues, how they've fought through all of these injuries. Uh, He was playing that kind of gadgety role early in the season when um, Calvin Ridley was playing. Now he is transitioned to more of a like lead 
back 1A to the Falcons backfield kind of role. He is his overall targets are down in the second half of the season. He is playing more backfield snaps. He is being motioned out of the backfield at a lower rate. So he's playing more of this kind of lead back 1A alpha-esque running back role. Why is that important? Because just as X brought up last week, that's a if we're playing Cordero Patterson, we were playing him earlier in the season for that gadgety role, for the opportunity to see eight to nine targets, for his dynamic in-space playmaking ability. Well, now he's relegated, I would call it, relegated to more of a traditional running back role, and we'd be only looking to play him because that is the case against opponents that are kind of poor against the run. Well, enter the Lions, who are one of the worst defenses against the run in the league. They are up there with the Jets. They are up there with the Texans. This is a team that has struggled all season to contain running backs, uh, both through the air and on the ground in the backfield. So that is positive for the Falcons. The Lions also struggle to cover tight ends. We know that Kyle Pitts still has all this talent, but he has struggled against the increased attention that he has seen over the last six or seven games. And also we have the re-emergence of Oh, crap. I think it cut out right there. I forget what I was talking about. I think I was talking about the Falcons. Sorry, we'll try and pick it back up from there. We also on the Falcons have the re-emergence of Russell Gage, who has been primarily operating as the alpha pass catcher on this offense. He's working a primarily short to intermediate role. He's working primarily a slot role. But those three, they finally, the Falcons finally have three skill position players who should be considered above average via their dynamic and, and dynamic playmaking ability. So we've seen this offense fight to find their identity all season. I think now that it's it's week 16, but they're coming into their own. They're finally figuring things out. And it's been tough for them because they've had to like fight and find an identity for a moving target because they've had all these issues uh, with their offensive personnel. So with all that said, we know the Lions start games extremely slow-paced, extremely run-heavy. We know that the Falcons have been... Teams have been able to attack the Falcons on the ground all season. We know that the Lions' offense is built around, and based on the, the offensive coordinator... They're built around the power run game, and they would like to integrate deep passing into that. That has largely been muted by the inability of Jared Goff to attack downfield. What happens if Goff misses this contest? Is that a detriment to Lions? I don't know, but I honestly, I don't see a situation where the Lions offense could be more conservative than they have been under Goff. So all that kind of comes together to, for me, to create a situation where we get two teams who have struggled to score against two defenses who have given up a lot of points, and it could come with a, an extremely wide range of outcomes. So all of that, basically, this line has been set extremely low at only 42 
0.0 points for the over-under, and it carries an extremely wide range of outcomes. And those are kind of the spots that I look to leverage from a DFS perspective, where the ownership is likely to be low. We're likely to get, you know, key contributors to each of these offenses at lower salary. And each of these defenses has underperformed this season. So although I wrote up the under in the early line inefficiencies piece, uh, I'm actually altering that and changing that to uh, the over. And that is just a wide range of outcomes perspective from a game uh, that could see the over or the under, obviously, but I would give this game a likelier chance to play to the over rather than the under. So that was a lot. We covered two games at the extremes uh, with a little bit of teaching and coaching and process and all that good stuff thrown in at the beginning. Again, we should expect uh, Pavel to join us next week. I would like to hear from you guys if you have any, um, I guess, any insight or any other ideas as to why these game totals have been so low uh, towards the tail end of the season, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Discord. Uh, I am Hilo on Discord and Hilo FF on Twitter. Let me know, and uh, maybe I can bring one of you all that I really, really like the answer to uh, onto the show, and we can record for next week. With that said, good luck this week. Stay safe out there in them streets, and we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards, and we will see you in the betting channel of Discord. Go check that thing out. That thing has been crushing uh, for the better part of the last two months since it started picking up steam. Go check it out. They are tracking bets in there. You can go see how um, effective they've been at beating these lines, these props, uh, and these spreads. Hilo, peace. Peace.